And so Sunday through Wednesday, we were at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting. Um, big surprise of the week, not related to the convention, was on Monday afternoon. We went outside California Baptist University, had musicians playing and singing in different places. And we were walking out and um, see these, what we thought were three college kids over there playing. And uh, one tall, skinny guy that was playing guitar and singing. And as we were walking by to go to dinner... I said, that guy kind of sounds like Tommy Walker. And if you don't know that name, Tommy Walker's the one that wrote the first two songs we did tonight and also wrote the song we sing often, Speak to Me. And uh, I said, that guy sounds like Tommy Walker. That kid, I said, that kid sounds like Tommy Walker. Tommy's about my age. And, uh, and then Tommy, this guy, did a, a riff on the guitar, and I went, that is Tommy Walker. He's on the board at California Baptist University. He played Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday outside free. And so we stood there. We watched him, and uh, we were watching him play. And then they kind of were in a spot, and he turns to the bass player and the drummer that were playing with him. He said, what do you want to sing? And I said, only a God like you. And he said, oh, we just did that. I'm like, oh, man. And then he turned to them and goes, we could do it a different way. And you want to do it as this? And then he turned back to play it, and, you know, he just sung it. And so he turned back to play it, and I'm about where Doug is. And he goes, you want to sing this? You don't have to ask me twice. (laughs) And so if you go to Lisa's Facebook page, you'll find some video that she shot of me singing with him. And uh, is Miss Jackie here? There, There she is. Thank you. See, so after we got, see, after we got done with that song, he and I were talking and he was like, man, that was, you know, that was great. And, and we were talking and I said, have you ever sung speak to me in Spanish? And he went, no. And I said, well, a friend of mine translated it for me and I've done it in El Salvador a bunch. And so I said, you know, it sounds really great in Spanish. And he's like, okay, great. And so then he goes, hey, let's sing Speak to Me. And so they did verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And he got in the second chorus and he looked over at me. Now I was like right here. And he said, Espanol. Fortunately, I have my iPad with me. And I stepped up and I sang it in Spanish with Tommy Walker and his band. And that was a blast. So that's on there as well. Lisa recorded that. So you can go there and look. Um, but, you know, one of my favorite gospel singers, and he sang three days live, so it was really cool uh, and free. And by the way, if you go to Tommy Walker Ministries, I should say this, some people have made it possible that his music and his song sheets and his accompaniment tracks are all free now on their website. So they're for free download, and so I'd encourage you to get it. Now, I stopped about 10 or 12 years ago as a pastor trying to plan to preach something the week after the convention because invariably anything that I had planned to preach, then I go to the convention and I get inspired by this or that, and then I want to go a different direction. So I've always stopped doing that, and then come uh, late in the week, we get home, and I write out kind of where my thoughts are and then give you an update. And so I wanted to give you an update. Jesus at the center of, of it all was our focus, and perhaps you've watched things on the news and you've seen some things, the big issue that we spoke about a few weeks ago that was facing our convention um, was a report from a sexual abuse task force that we had um, asked to address that. And then another issue was uh, continued efforts to seek reconciliation uh, racially in our churches, in our cities. Um, And so those two things were kind of key things that were spoken about. The sexual abuse uh, report that was released a few weeks ago Here's the thing. Um, While it was grieved by most and was a call to action, there were still a very small minority of others that saw it as too much emphasis 
on what they thought was a small percentage problem. And sadly, on the reconciliation issues, most, again, embrace that need and that it is the way toward accurate worship, but there were still a small few who decried it as wokeism instead of a desire to look like heaven. And I wondered, how could freedom be provided but not proclaimed? And how could it be free and yet not be pervaded by all, by some but not others? And, you know, I just thought, well, you know, some don't care. And perhaps some don't even believe that everyone is worthy of it. And I thought about Jesus when he was walking on the water. And this is not my text, but I, it's where I wanted to start. I thought about Jesus in Matthew 14. Walking on the water and Peter said, can I come out to you? If you just tell me to come out to you, I'll come out to you. And he says, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and he came toward Jesus. Listen, but when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink and he cried, Lord, save me. Many of us see God at work and we want in. And we're quick to even jump out of the boat. But when we see the strength of the wind and the ferocity of the waves, we take our eyes off Jesus and we sink. Houston Chronicle published an article. I think I have a picture. Published an article February the 10th, 2019. Maybe you remember it. And the headline that you see on the left there, the Houston Chronicle, said abuse of faith. And it reported on 20 years in the Southern Baptist Convention churches where 700 cases of sexual abuse had been revealed, but largely had been kept quiet or hidden. And it was that article that finally, a couple of years ago, began to get our convention of cooperating churches to investigate and address our culpability in this horrendous reality. Last year, we rose at our convention and we approved and literally demanded as a convention of messengers an external, unattached investigation of our churches and our leadership response. And the results were released, as you probably saw three weeks ago, and they showed what some have wanted to say was a relatively small issue, but the fact remains that one is too many and that some of our leaders were aware and had done nothing. Well, that Houston Chronicle headline from 2019, this week at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting, we overwhelmingly approved two recommendations from that sexual abuse task force. And I wanted to give those to you. The first one is this, to create an abuse reform implementation task force. Now, what do we do with this information? To begin to implement the process of preventing sexual abuse, addressing it when necessary, and leading in the care of survivors of abuse. And if you go to sbc.net, the Southern Baptist Convention website, right there on the first page, you'll see a link where if you need to report something, you can report. And this task force also will work with what we call a credentials committee. You see, our churches, yes, are autonomous churches. We can't tell another church to what, what to do, but we can tell another church whether they're part of us or not. 
And so they will work with the credentials committee to address churches that do not address abuse in their churches. And where necessary, remove them from our fellowship of churches. That was number one. The second thing that we approved was to create something that many of us have been asking for, honestly, about 15 years. And that is a ministry check website will be established to maintain a record of pastors, denominational leaders, ministry employees, even volunteers in our churches who have been credibly accused and and are in churches that are cooperating churches with the Southern Baptist Convention. All accusations that are reported will be examined uh, with supporting information and before any listing goes online. It's not like somebody calls and they put it on the website. All of them must bear the same criteria that's required in a civil law case. But there will be a way for us to report. There will be a way for us to act. And the purpose is to create another level of protection because one of the things that came out in the report is that what was happening was people would do something in a church and that church would quietly dismiss those people. Well, listen, they go somewhere else and do the same thing. And so we're addressing and going to address that. And so I should say, and it is encouraging to see, that on Thursday of this week, June the 16th, the Houston Chronicle had a different headline. I don't know if you noticed it when that was up there. Go. The one on the left is 2019. The one on the right is from Thursday, and I know that's hard to see. There's two headlines there. The first one that's above the, the picture says the hunter is now hunted. And the one that's circled, circled there says survivors applaud Southern Baptists move against predators. That's a disparity. That's a change. And that's where we are. The first headline, by the way, is quoting our newly elected Southern Baptist Convention president, Bart Barber of Farmersville, uh, Texas. You should know that normally our convention presidents are these mega church pastors, and this is a guy that owns cows and pastors a small church of about 300 in a small town uh, not too far from Dallas. And he was elected president this year. And he said, sexual predators used our decentralized polity to try and turn our churches into a hunting ground. In some cases, moving from church to church, manipulating our system to hide from accountability and pick off the sheep one by one. Then he continued, and yet it is our decentralized polity that can become a place where sexual predators are put on notice that the tables are turned and the hunter is now the hunted. And I will tell you that we will be working, though we have been uh, faithful as we could up to this point, we will be working over the next few months to add further efforts to make sure that this is a safe place, not for the predator, but for the people. Hard work, but safer days ahead. There is a new effort um, that you will hear more about, particularly here. Matter of fact, I've already messaged some pastor friends here in the area, but you will hear more about in the coming days here at FBCF on unity in our churches and uh, in our communities. And that's being led by Pastor Fred Luter, who's a good friend of mine out of New Orleans, is a former, matter of fact, he was the first African-American president of the Southern Baptist Convention a few years ago, as well as Ed Litton, who is our immediate past president, who pastors in Mobile, Alabama, and Tony Evans, that you know from Dallas, Texas. Those three men are leading an, a, a unity task force, and you'll hear more about that as we try to implement some of those things here. But to lead our efforts of our convention, 
the, the, the frontline go-to things that our convention is known for is the international and the North American mission boards. And uh, cooperative missions is who we are. It is what we do. It is what defines us. And you should know that of our offerings that are then percentage sent off to the Southern Baptist Convention, you should know that when they receive our offerings, which are millions and millions of dollars for all of our conventions of 47,000 churches, only 3% of that is, is spent on operations. Just 3%. And you should know that 73% is spent on missions. And the rest of that is spent on our seminaries and on the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. But then if you add designated giving to those offerings that are given, you should know that 67% of the Southern Baptist giving is spent on international missions. 32% is spent on North American missions. So a total of 85% of everything that comes to the Southern Baptist Convention is spent on missions. And when you put all of those numbers together, only 1.6% is spent on operations. The money that you give goes to sharing the gospel around the world. Amen goes there. (laughs) Because we are, while we are still called the Southern Baptist Convention, there is an alternate way that we can identify ourselves and we are officially identifying ourselves and that is as Great Commission Baptists. We are Great Commission Baptists. Let me give you a couple of reports about the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board. North American Mission Board is involved in four primary areas. The SEND network includes compassion ministry and evangelism and church planting and chaplaincy. And if you go to NAMB, North American Mission Board, NAMB.net, you can look at that and see areas of ministry and ways for you to get involved. And of course, I'm excited that we are about to become the site. And I think I have a slide there. Maybe go forward. Right there. More than 9,400 churches have been planted by the North American Mission Board since 2010 in North America. All of those dots that you see represent churches that have been planted just in the last 12 years. And then we are about to become, uh, I think I have one more, go to the next one. Yeah. You see us? There we are right in the middle. We are one of the Send Relief Ministry Centers. They're about to, we're finishing that up. And and as we get probably into August, September, that thing will become official and things will begin to happen in that area. But I am excited that we are going to be the place from which mission ministry happens out of this building across the metro area. That's just exciting. Now, you might like to know that those 9,200 churches that have been planted across North America in the last 11 years... 80% of those churches remain healthy after four years. 11% of all Southern Baptist Convention churches are those church plants. That's a big number. 18% of our baptisms last year were from those church plants. Now, let's switch to the International Mission Board. If you will, I believe our flagship ministry is International Missions. In their 2021 report, the International Mission Board. And by the way, that's their new website. I mean, their new logo on the right there that looks like a presence point, doesn't it? And that's intentionally so because they are present and purposeful on mission. In 2021, we officially have 3,563 missionaries 
outside North America, and you add that 2,500 children, like our grandchildren, that are with them overseas, there are more than 1,000 soon-to-be missionaries that are in the pipeline getting ready to go. We, this past week, saw 52 being commissioned at our convention. Uh, International Mission Board is involved in evangelism and church formation and discipleship and leadership development outside of North America. In 2021, 93 new people groups. See, what you'll hear about with the IMB is unreached and unengaged people groups. More than 93 new people groups have been engaged in urban centers and out over the last year. And they reported, you ready for this? 176,795 new believers last year. No, I didn't get that wrong. 176,000. They reported 107,701 baptisms last year. In the area of church formation, there are right now 48,000 groups that are currently meeting with the intention of becoming churches. There are 11,000 of those that are brand new groups meeting. There are 22,744 new churches started last year. Alongside 78,000 first, second, third generation churches that are already there as the work of our missionaries. While 2,300 churches did cease to meet last year. Those efforts reported that in those churches, there are 496,000 baptized believers worshiping every week. Those churches with 353,000 that meet weekly in discipleship groups. And 56,000 being personally mentored in discipleship. In leadership development, 29,632 received pastoral training from our missionaries. 85,293 received training in church planting. 51,000 are in, brother, 59, uh, in, in advanced theological training. That's what you did. 91,000 receiving other training from our missionaries. And, and you should know that there are, I think I have a, I think I have a picture there. There are 11,000 in the, in the world population of 7.9 billion. There are 11,948 identified people groups. Of those, 7,365 are considered unreached. That means 4.7 billion people have less than 2% Christianity. And 3,125 of those 11,948 are still considered unengaged. That's 272 million that have no evangelical church planting strategy yet. I did see a picture a week before last of one of the previously unreached people groups that had their first baptism. Our missionaries are at work taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And our church is touched by those. We have some here in our presence and we have some that have gone out for us. So, I am getting to a short message that I have for you. Let me kind of let you inside my brain. I know it's a scary place. So we're in the plane at Orange County, John Wayne International, about to take off to come back on Friday. And the pilot comes on 
And he talks only like pilots do. Uh, uh, right? And he says, well, folks, uh, we're going to take off hard and fast. We are going to climb quickly, but don't worry because we're going to level off at 30,000 feet. And then uh, we're going to go back and we're going to back off the speed a little bit and settle in slower. That's what he said. And so I'm sitting there and here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, okay, I'm all for leveling off because I don't want to end up in outer space. But if we can fly faster, do it. I'm thinking, you know, we're 15 minutes late taking off anyway, so get it. What are you worried about, getting pulled over? This is what I'm thinking. I mean, we're late, so let's go. I know you don't have to be anywhere. You're just flying. But we got places to be. Are you worried that the Air Force cop is going to pull you over in an F-22? I mean, you know, can't you see him pulling out from behind a cloud and the lights flashing and your American Airlines or Southwest pilot is like, oh, man. And they pull him over after landing in a cornfield in Iowa somewhere and it messes everybody. I mean, this is what I'm thinking in my head. You know, the pilot is saying, we've got to back it off so we don't get a ticket. My mind thinks about things. Today is Juneteenth. If you somehow don't know what that is, January the 1st, 1863, President Lincoln put into effect an executive order that he had announced was coming a few months before that, that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious areas are henceforth and shall be free. The problem was that people were still fighting. And so some parts of the South didn't even get notice. And it wasn't until 17 months later, on June the 19th, 1865, that General Gordon Granger landed in Galveston. I'm sorry, that's two and a half years later. General Granger landed in Galveston, Texas, and declared the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. And that's why today matters. Because people had been freed, but they hadn't been told, or somebody with me. And I wonder why people don't tell people. Our job is to proclaim the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus because of the work of Jesus at the cross. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus rose again. And sadly, while, while we are addressing the revelation of sexual abuse and continued efforts to address the need for unity and reconciliation and ethnic disparity in society and in the church, there are still a minority of those that decry those efforts. And the question comes, and somebody put it up on Twitter the other day that said, why are some people so opposed to dealing with abuse and racial injustice? Why? Somebody posted that. And if you go look at my Twitter feed, you will find that I said, why? The, the answer to why is not hard to figure out. Amen. But the bigger question I said is, how can that even be among the people of God? 
Failure to love and care for people is not the way of the people of God. If you go later and read 1 John 3, 10 to 16, it's not in our spiritual DNA. Verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. It teaches that we know that we are followers of Christ by our love, that that if we are born from above, we will love. And if we don't love, we are either not born of Jesus or we are betraying that birth. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20 says that we are in the reconciliation business. It's what we do. So, I am not going to preach a long message because I came to give you a report, but I wanted to show you a scripture that's been running around in my head all this week. It's in the Old Testament. It's in Deuteronomy 30. Understand, Moses is at the end of his ministry. And he's kind of given his last song, if you will. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 to 20. And I will give you some notes to take down, but I promise I'm going to hit them really quick. He says, this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven and get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may find it. And it's not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. But the message is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so that you may follow it. See, Today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinances so that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering. But if your heart turns away, And you do not listen and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them. I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in land that you are entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God. Obey him, remain faithful to him, for he is your life, and he will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Now, basically what I'm just going to give you now is an outline, because it is so clear that I don't really have to explain it. So let me give you some points, and I want you to write them down. Here's number one. It is not concealed. Somebody said, why are these people struggling with this? It is not concealed. Verse 16 is the bulk of the message. It's not hidden. It's not hard to understand. He had said before, you know, it's not somewhere where you got to send somebody to find it. It's right. It's not too difficult. It's not beyond your reach. This is not advanced stuff. This is kindergarten stuff. It's close. It's in your mouth. You can say it. It's right there. 
I don't have to teach you. I don't have to give it to you. I just have to remind you of it. And he says it's in your heart. In other words, it's part of your DNA as the people of God. Write down number two. It's a command. That Hebrew word there is the word sabah. It means to lay a charge upon you, a command, an order, a point, just to lay it on you. This is what God is laying on us as individuals, as First Baptist Church Ferguson, as Great Commission Baptists. This is what God is laying on us. And write down number three, it is clear. And here's the bulk of it. It's clear. It's right there. We don't have to wonder, well, what should we do in regards to sexual abuse? What should we do in regard to unity? What should we do in regard to taking the gospel? It's all right there. Love God. Our love for God drives our actions for him or they will not continue. If love for God does not drive who we are and what we do here, then what we do here will not last. And then it says, and from that position of loving God, walk in his ways. I like that Hebrew word halak. It means to go, to walk about. It means to come alongside or to accompany. Why? Because his ways are not our ways, right? His thoughts are not our thoughts. God is not waiting for us to tell him what we're doing. We are not the vine and he is the branch. No, he is the vine and we are the branches. And God is going and he wants us to come with him to walk in his ways. And then it says, keep his commands. Keep. Means we are to observe and to act accordingly. To do what he says. So we we have to allow his commands to direct our steps. Proverbs 6.23 says, For a command is a lamp. Teaching is a light. And corrective discipline is the way to life. If you're standing on the edge of a cliff and I tell you don't take another step, I'm not being closed-minded. I'm seeking to give you life. And then the fourth thing, write down, it's conditional. Oh, we don't really like this. Anytime scripture is conditional, we don't like that. We want, condi- we want options, right? Well, you know, that's not truth for me. Again, go to the cliff scenario. One more step forward, you're going to die. That's not, you know, I'm not being ugly. I'm not being closed-minded. But there are conditions. You can do what you want. Did you notice it says, so that? I dare you sometime to type that into your search engine for scriptures. I love so that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that. So that if you, then I, if you, then you, it's a conditional, it's a conditional promise, a conditional statement. God is wanting to lead us somewhere, but we have to maintain the conditions. But if we love God and if we walk in his ways and if we keep his commands, then what does it say? That you may live. Kaya means to live, to be alive, to come alive. 1 John 5, 3 says that his ways are not a burden. No, he is saying that this is life. This is the way for a person, for a church, for a convention to have life so that you may have life and so that you may multiply. (laughs) 
I wrote down in my notes, hello, church growth specialists. Because, you know, we spend money and time and running around to conventions and all these things trying to learn how to do some things. And it's funny, I'm just now thoughtful of when we were over at New Life in Florissant and God was blessing and some things were going on. And I would go to meetings in the association and over and over again, people would come and they'd say, so tell me what you guys are doing. And I said, we're not doing anything. Oh, I understand, but just tell me what you're doing. We're loving God, we're loving people, and proclaiming the word of God. That's what we're doing. And he says, that you may multiply. We don't have to run around looking for it. It's right there. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. It's in your head. So love God, walk in his ways, keep his commands, and you will be alive and you will, Rabbah, have abundance. Become many. Enlarge. Multiply. That's what that word means. And then the Lord will bless you. Isn't that amazing? But you should notice that this is a two-way conditional statement. It couldn't be conditional if it wasn't. See, we like that part. I like the living part. I like the multiplying part. I like that part. But he says, if your heart turns away. In other words, if you love yourself. If you love your preferences. If you love your style instead of God's ways. If you do not listen, (laughs) are you listening to me, moms and dads? Are you listening to me? We're not asking if you hear. We're asking if you're listening. Shama means to give earnest hearing to. Are you doing something about what you're hearing? If you do not listen, he says, if you are led astray to worship other gods. Oh, we're Baptists. We won't worship other gods. Oh, there's lots of things we worship. Styles and traditions and politicians. Uh Uh-oh. Whatever you want to call it, there's only one to worship. And if those things are true, then verse 18 says, you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days. Wow. Two more things and I'm done. Write down number five, the call, the choice. He says there, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses. You can't say, I didn't tell you. That's what he's saying. A lot of folks are going to be at the, at the pearly uh, I mean, at the white throne, and are going to say, but nobody told me. And he go, no, wait a minute. And he's going to run back to tape. I will call heaven and earth as witnesses that I have set before you. Here it is. Life and death, blessing and curses. This is life and blessing. This is death and curses. I've laid it before you. God isn't wanting to argue with us. He's just offering us a choice. What do you want? It's kind of like the choice I gave AJ when he was in the seventh grade. And I said, son, you live in my world. You eat my food. You live in my house. You wear my clothes. Now, if you would like to go somewhere else and buy your own food 
and live in your own house and buy your own clothes. If you want to live in your world, you go ahead. But you live in my world. And so when you're in my world, you're going to do what I say. Whose world do you want to be in? This is it. Choose life, he says. I'm telling you, live in my world. Choose life and you will live. This is a generational offer, you and your children. The choice is right there. And we might want to stop right there, by the way. There it is, the end. I'm offering you life and blessing, death and curses. This is it. And we just finish the song right there. What kind of song would it be if we finished right there? So write down number six and we're done. The coda. You know what a coda is? Go, go to the next slide. You know what that, that sign is? It's a musical sign. It's coda. It, it, oftentimes you'll be in music and it will say to coda. Because you've sung a verse and a chorus and you've come back and sung another verse and a chorus. And then you sung the bridge and you came back to the chorus. And then it says to coda. Doug, Doug come to the piano for me. Doug knows what a coda is in music. It's the concluding passage or the movement. Typically, it forms some sort of additional theme or structure that's a variation on the other. It's like a vamp. It's like a tag. It's like the outro, if you will, of the song. So stay with me now. In the Beatles song, Hey Jude, it just has three basic chords. It's in the key of F, and it's just got three basic chords. It's got the one chord, which is an F, and the five chord, which is a C, and the four chord, which is a B flat. Now, it does kind of in the, in the chorus part, it kind of walks down to those chords, but those are the bass chords. And so you play an F for me. That's, that's, the one, that's the one chord. That's home. And then there's the five chord, the C. That, that's the five chord. That's the dominant, they call it. And then there's the B flat. That's the subdominant. And most of the song is, hey, one chord, you don't make it see bad. Take a bad song and make it better. Read B flat, remember to let her into your F heart. And you can see start to make it better. I mean, that's just, it's just so good. And the song, by the way, with the four verses and the two choruses is only three minutes long. And oftentimes the coda, that, by the way, circle with a cross in the middle of it. Oh, that could spend some time there. Sometimes the coda is just a short ending tab, just a slight variation with something added to the structure. But in the song, Hey Jude, You see, Paul plays the one. But when he gets into that coda, you would think he'd want to go to the five, the C, but he doesn't. He he puts in there a flat seven, an E flat. Oh, we're doing something different now. And then he plays the four, the B flat, and comes back to the one. And he does that for four minutes. Na, the F. Na, 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 E flat. Na, 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 na. And the B flat. Na, 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 na. Hey, Jude. 
He does that for four minutes. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Hey, Jude. Down, down, and down, down, and down, and down. And so here is the coda. I'm taking you somewhere. Moses says, love the Lord your God, verse 20, and obey him and remain faithful to him. He's already told us that. He's just restating it. And we, could, we know those chords. That's the one and the five and the four. We, we know those chords. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember the letter into your skin, verse 4 says. And then you begin to make it better, better, better. And he just, ah. And Moses says, love God. Obey him, remain faithful to him, and then here's the coda four. Here's that flat seven, E flat. Give me that flat seven. Ah, for he is your life. For he is your life. We're chasing stuff. But he is your life, and he will prolong your days as you live in the land. Na, 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 na. You thought Paul McCartney wrote that song. Moses wrote that song. Na, 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 na. Hey, gee. He is your life, and he will prolong your days and give you life. See it? He is your life and he will prolong your days and give you life. He is your life and he will prolong your days and give you life. Come on. He is your life and he will prolong your days and give you life for he's your life and he will prolong your days and give you life see that's what we're saying this is true It's true of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's true of First Ferguson. And it's true of the person that lives at your address. If we will love God and keep his ways, remain faithful to him, we look up and we find he is life. Father, thank you. Father, forgive us for chasing after other things. Keep us focused on what you're doing. Keep us focused that you are our life, not protecting our ways. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, he is your life. He will prolong your days and give you life in the land. 
right there where you are, if you've never done it, could you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I give you my life today and I follow you. I receive what you did for me at the cross as payment for my sin. Can you pray something like that where you are? We're going to stand in a moment and we're going to sing. And if you prayed to receive Christ, we'd love for you to share that with us. If you'd like to know about church membership here or baptism, following the Lord and believers baptism, we'd invite you to come. We'll have elders and and staff here and just come and say, I've given my life to Christ today. Or if you need somebody to pray with you, come, they'll pray. If you just want to come and find a place here at the altar while we sing, you come. We would receive your gifts, your offerings at this time here. You can come and do that. But we'll stand together and sing.